this amateur hour. Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just an amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour is what's AHPKC is brought to you by ArrowheadPride.com. This is a show about football and friendship and fun. We're truthful, but not always accurate. We're red and yellow and ridiculous. We're basically Andy Reid's wardrobe, but but a podcast. Enough of the formalities. Can we talk Chiefs now? Let's go. Got Ryan Scott Hall, and that dude is darkness. What's up? <clears throat> I don't know, Dirk. You tell me what's up, man. Uh, nothing. Yeah, doing some some chilling, doing some some summer. Right? Is yeah. it? It's not officially summer yet, probably according to the lunar calendar. Or it's always whatever. summer in my world, but it uh, it's definitely summer in my world now that I'm done with the uh, escuela. School? Yeah, I don't know mm-hmm. how you do that. It's uh, it's it, tough. Yeah, it's not it's not easy, but you know I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good. I'm actually really excited that it's now summertime. You know, we've got uh, that means that I don't have to like go to class after work or before work. I don't have homework that I have to do, and it also means we're just a couple short months away from a trip to South America. Hmm? Hmm? For training camp? Yeah, that's actually. The Chiefs have, instead of St. Joe, have decided to, to go to South America wow. for training camp this wow. year. Big move. Um, <clears throat> they wanted to, uh, you know, really push their bodies to the limit. Yeah. And uh, deal with with uh, the, what is it, the hu- is humidity? Is that the word? That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> we'll go put them in, in Manaus, where yes, the U.S. So. had to play in Brazil in 2014. Put them in the middle of the rainforest. Yeah. Put them in Peru, where it's like 11,000 feet high. Mm. Yeah. We'll definitely be ready for the Broncos then. <laughs> yeah. Well, folks, welcome to Amateur Hour. Uh, we haven't talked to you since before, well, I guess during the draft, if you count the Periscope. Uh, for those of you that did not catch the Periscope, you can go over to twitter.com slash hisdirkness. Find yeah. some, some Periscopes that we did live while... The Chiefs were on the clock and ultimately took Pat Mahomes, and we'll we'll talk about the draft picks today because I know you guys have been wanting to hear some of that. I have uh, I finally recovered from the uh, hangover of that night. Yeah, did you? You yeah. didn't have that much to drink, no, did you? No, but it was, it was you. You drank a beer for every touchdown he's going to throw in his debut. Oh yeah, how many was it? Four. I, I think it was four. Oh, that's pretty yeah. weak. Four touchdowns. Pretty weak, in, Dirk. In the, in the first preseason game. <laughs> it's all right. Couple couple touchdowns a quarter. <laughs> Well, uh, before before we go and get into each of the draft picks, we're going to start with a little thing we like to call the nudes. The nudes. We're going to start with some nudes. Some, some nudes. Shark Andrew. 
This is the news, everybody. We're going to start with a couple moves that were made kind of right around the draft uh, that are right here inside the division. His darkness. What's up? I don't even know where we're going. Two teams in the division signed veteran running backs. Oh. The Oakland Raiders signing one beast mode, Marshawn Lynch, the local legend in Oakland. Wow. Um, and then the Denver Broncos signing Jamal Charles. Man, seems so long ago. Yeah, yeah. I've forgotten, like, all of this. Right, right. <clears throat> uh, but I want to I wanna ask you this question, at least. Which player in 2017 are you, like, more scared of? Um, like productivity wise, um, yeah, yeah. Like, who do you who do you think is going to have the better season? In I mean, Marshawn Lynch is the easy answer there. Okay, uh, if we're including like my psyche, uh, I might right. say Jamal because it right. might you know break down my core a little bit to see that. That's that's going to be a little a little disgusting to see. So, uh, but no, Marshawn's definitely the bigger threat. <clears throat> I mean, Oakland's the better team than Denver. Uh, Marshawn's been good more recent than Jamal has, even though he sat out last year. Uh, and he's, I mean, God, I hope he's, you know, not as good as he was. Yeah. Oh, so that yeah. trouble. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, that's a that's an explosive offense already. And now they're throwing away a top five running back from two years ago on it. So hopefully he's mm-hmm. slowed down. So I, I a couple thoughts. Uh, first on Marshawn. So. I think that, like, I am definitely, I'm, I agree with you, I'm definitely more scared of Marshawn Lynch than Jamal Charles at this point. Um, I don't think anyone would say Jamal. I, it's, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, people talked about how the Raiders had this, this like, power running game, and everyone is, has praised their offensive line, and I, that's, I, what, am, what am I to tell you? I don't, I don't know if an offensive line is good, bad, or indifferent. There's um, a good... But I do feel like the way that Marshawn Lynch ran in Seattle with what I think has been widely publicized as a terrible offensive line, now getting to play behind what is widely publicized as a very good offensive line. Um, and let's not forget that Oakland also brought in my my former guy, Cordero. Uh So they signed Cordero Patterson. In free agency, and that was really like kind of the only move that they made. They didn't do a whole lot free agency wise, and but that's Which is weird because they have tons of money, I think. But that yeah, so that now means though that like as far as their offense is concerned, you have Cooper and Crabtree and Andre Holmes and Patterson who can go Holmes, out and, and Holmes left, I think. Did he? Yeah, because um, I wanted to get him. Who's who's the slot guy that I'm thinking of? It's not Andre Holmes. It's Seth Roberts. There yeah, we go. Yeah. Um, and and they used to be what it's they it seemed like they were really loaded at tight end, but I know that like your guy Michael Rivera no longer there. But they do they I mean they've got Clive Walford, the guy that they took pretty high from Miami a year or two ago. Yeah, they like they've got this big offensive line, and then obviously they have Derek Carr, who I think right now is the best quarterback in the division. Um, and then you add Marshawn Lynch to that instead of Latavius Murray, and then they still have their complement backs like Jalen Rashard and whatnot. And I mean, Oakland's offense could be really, really good. They were already good. Yeah. Um, and if if he is healthy and consistent, um, they've got they've got one of those uh, 
those duos. What do they call that? When you have the big guy and the small guy in the backfield, when you can do both? Uh, fat and scat. It's, that sounds good. I, I just like made that. it up. Okay. I just came with it. Fat and scat. I can dig that. <laughs> I was going for the the thunder and lightning. Oh, have yeah, that is that good. That, no, that's good. <laughs> that's, that's, good. that's a good one. Right. Ooh. Well, I like um, where you're going with that one. I, th- I think that Oakland's still, like, I mean, listen, you bring Marshawn Lynch to town, and it gets everybody excited, but it feels like, this is like a like a victory lap for him. He's just, like, signing with his hometown team. He's going to play maybe a season or two. Yeah. But I don't think that Marshawn, while he might, like, get people excited, or he might get the fans excited, he might even get the team excited. But, like, is he a leader? I mean, this is a guy that doesn't... I, I don't know if he talks in the locker room or not, but, like, I don't think that this is the kind of guy that, like, this really puts them over the top, because... Well, I don't think they need a vocal leader like that. They, they need someone who fucking goes to work and, and mm-hmm. does the job, and that's what he is. Uh, hopefully he's not that anymore. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, what, what are the examples of dudes taking... He played two years ago, right? So he was active in 2015? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Um... I'm thinking of running backs who took a year off. I guess there's a lot of injury examples, but Ricky Williams is the one that comes to mind who's, mm-hmm. you know, later in his career, takes some time off and then comes back and was actually effective. Uh, Priest Holmes kind of actually did it, yeah. oddly enough. That was that was one of the odder times. Uh, he was not very good. He only lasted like five games before he got hurt. For what it's worth, in 2015, Marshawn Lynch had six starts and ran for 417 yards and three touchdowns. Okay, yeah, because he was kind of – Battle and injury the whole time, or I don't really remember the yeah. situation. But. Yeah. So kind of two years off, pretty much where Jamal Charles is, really. Yeah, he and Jamal basically haven't been good since, like, almost like three seasons ago is what yeah. it feels like. So, you know, what can you say? Hope hope that the time has passed him. Yeah, for both of them. Um, <laughs> so the Jamal thing, here, uh, what I'm really interested in with Jamal, I never got... That was a fun day on Twitter when Jamal signed. <laughs> that was fun. That was a very drum-up-the-sports-hate kind of day. Just those quotes slowly leaking out like, Oh my god! Oh my god! How is he saying this? I had a lot of fun with the guys that were defending Jamal. Like, it's a business, and I love Jamal, and it's okay. He can do whatever he wants. The team cut him. He didn't cut the team. And I'm just like, whatever. You're mad like I am. We're all mad. (laughs) We're all mad. It's fine. Um, no, what I'm really interested in, though, because I never actually listened to it, but you listened to the podcast that he did yeah. with somebody afterwards, so just kind of t- tell us about it for those that didn't listen. Uh, yeah, yeah, I totally remember that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, basically that day, the quotes came out, and you're just like, they're pretty gross. Uh, it kind of shits all over KC, and it's just like, huh, okay. Like, he's kind of leaving himself a, a man without a country here, because... You know, he's probably not going to do very good in Denver, and now he's going to look back at these Kansas City people, and they're all going to be pissed because he said these things. But I think we have to factor in Jamal is not well-spoken. He may not be the smartest individual, mm-hmm. and that's totally fine. So I think he goes into this press conference, and he thinks he says what he's supposed to say. And he thinks yeah. he's supposed to, you know, say these nice things about the Denver Broncos. I grew up a Denver Broncos fan. Maybe he did because there was that picture of him in an Elway jersey. Maybe that proves it or whatever. Uh, and he kind of says things like, I'm going to help him win, and yeah, I'm, I don't, I'm done with that team, and blah, blah, blah. And then I think he saw the reaction, and he's just like, oh, man, I, I, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I expected. Yeah. And then on the podcast, pretty much tried to clear all that up. And I think it was genuine, so I was pretty much mad at Jamal for a day, really, and now it's just kind of... Okay. But he's, I mean, I think he basically saw the backlash 
and didn't expect didn't it. understand didn't get it didn't want it like that so he tried to clear the air through the podcast well he went on the wrong podcast uh, yeah. I'll just start there yeah. uh, couple couple things that came to mind when I saw that he signed with Denver and and this is me hoping uh, but I mean if you just look at the facts Denver's offense they have <clears throat> obviously great receivers or at least two great receivers Um but they've got this mishmash of players at tight end. Uh, they don't have a starting quarterback. We don't. We don't know who their starting quarterback is going to be. Their offensive line has been bad, and you know they drafted a, a tackle at twenty. And I don't. I don't know if they picked other offensive linemen or not. But in a historically bad offensive lineman draft, and really no offensive linemen are really good as rookies anymore. Right, and they didn't really bring anyone in. They made Donald Stevenson like adjust his contract because they're like, oh, we paid you too much because you suck. <laughs> um, I ah! mean, their, their offensive line is not great. And so, you, don't get me wrong, Jamal never ran behind a, a really fantastic offensive line here or had great quarterback play here. But, I mean, you're talking about Jamal truly in his prime versus a guy that at this stage in his career, you can't count on him. So, I mean, I, the, I, I think that I said something to the effect of like, Jamal could just tear us apart. Jamal could have two good games this year, and it could be running for 500 total yards and score, you know, five touchdowns against the Chiefs. And I still think it's the right move. Because... So we haven't fixed the run defense, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, right. We maybe not. But I wait. Say that again. So he does that, and then what? And but like, I think it would still be the right move. I mean, we went from paying Jamal. Oh, getting eight... rid of Jamal? Yeah, like we couldn't. Yeah. You couldn't pay Jamal the eight million dollars or whatever that he was owed, and. Even if he said he was willing to take a pay cut, like it just, it just was, it was time. It was time, and it there was definitely a falling out. Him a lot, but. There was definitely a falling out between him and the team. It was around when, uh, I guess, I think he got released. I guess, but he he had that article that came out in the, mm-hmm. was it the Players Tribune, something like that. Yeah, like I'm I'm healthier than ever, and, and it was they like pushed me back too early. Or, it kind of went against everything that the Chiefs were saying, like that same day or in and around that same day. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, man, these guys are not on the same page. They had definitely had a falling out. And then since then, what's come out? But we pushed Jamal to retire. Like our team doctors pushed him to retire, kind of. Maybe, yeah. I, thought, I think that came out. But no, you're not going to pay him as much money as he, as he was making. Because we paid mm. him the last two years good money. And he hasn't given us anything. So it's just, yeah. it's just time to go. Not to mention, I mean, he's going to be the clear, the clear cut number two back behind C.J. Anderson next year. Right, and I mean, they like still... Like, they're taking... They're they taking want him. Booker to be good. I mean, they drafted him in, like, the second round, didn't they? Who? Oh, Booker? They yeah. Said Booker. He, he wasn't... He he wasn't good last year. No, not but, really. But I think, like... I thought they took him pretty high. And I it's really know. a no-risk signing for the Broncos. I mean, he got, yeah. like... Yeah. No guaranteed money, I think, and... I'm not... I didn't It's really all incentive-based. Right. It's all incentive-based. Which is... I mean, that makes sense for a veteran... Uh, so the second bit of news that happened, and it was something that I thought was actually kind of flying under the radar, <clears throat> but uh, D. Ford's option was picked up, the fifth-year option on his rookie contract. Immediately um, after the draft, right? Yeah, it was pretty much right after, and I don't know if it was a reaction to not having the board fall in a certain way and drafting a pass rusher or what. I think it was. Um, but I've, I've got some thoughts on, on the pass rush that I'd rather save. I just wanted to at least ask a couple questions on, on D Ford. Um, like, do you, is, is he going to start? Is he expected to be the starter opposite Justin Houston? (laughs) 
How many times are we going to ask this damn question? But I'm, I'm... God, we've been discussing this for fucking 36 months now. Right. Is D4 going to start? What's, what's his start? What's his, you know, snaps going to be compared to Tamba? And Tamba's out there just giving 80% of the snaps pretty much all the time. D4's mm-hmm. jogging along at 40% or whatever. Um, I guess he played more than that last year because Houston was gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would expect him to start. So You'd we're think. gonna, we're gonna. I, I mean, he has to, right? Like, you would hope. I mean, you get those weird starts, like when CBS gives you the starting lineup on the first play, but that depends on if a team comes out in three wide receivers or mm-hmm. you know two tight ends or whatever. But like, I, he has to start, and I, the fifth year option, I guess it just buys them time. But something that I found that was pretty interesting is that they don't have to actually keep him for that year. They can cut him without penalty. That fifth-year option is only guaranteed for injury. So you exercise the option to add that year to the contract, but we can turn around and cut him if he's terrible this year and not have any penalty for it. What? It's weird. I don't think that's right. It is. He has to get hurt or something, doesn't he? No, I thought that it's only guaranteed for injury. So, like, if he gets hurt, then he is guaranteed that money next year. Like, we can't cut him because he's hurt. But if we say that he sucks, we can just get rid of him. Well, then why would you not pick up the fifth-year option on everybody? Because some people don't want that number. I mean, people were surprised that Jacksonville did it with Bortles because it's like $18 million. Sometimes you want to keep the player, and sometimes you're just like, no, we're done. Hmm. I think, I mean, that's that's my understanding of what it Let's was. pause it. Let's pause this. Okay. We're going to pause it, and we're going to look it up, and we'll be right back. Well, for a podcast that doesn't fact-check, we definitely just fact-checked it. Embracing the debate. And... Ryan wins this wh- one. Wh- okay, I was going to say, what did you say just before I hit on pause? <laughs> well, you were right. All right. Awesome. Said so you win this one, shitbird. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, long story short... <clears throat> the Chiefs decided that they wanted to have the extra year of flexibility for D Ford. And I have a feeling like I just get this weird sense with him that we're just gonna get that like he looks good. He did this he had this, you know, he had ten sacks, but it was like in the short span of time and then he just fell off the face of the planet. And I have a feeling he's gonna do that again. So you're saying D Ford in twenty seventeen is gonna be like D Ford in every other <clears throat> Right, and and then when it comes to like, do you give him a contract extension or not? No, like I think it's going to be split. Like people are not going to know because some people are going <laughs> to yeah. be like, he's good, and other people are going to be like, no, he's not at yep. all. Yeah. Um, Is the Alex Smith the defense? I think we've made that comparison before. I could I could see that the LOL B, but now he's the R O F L B. Oh, nice! <laughs> Look at that. Um, all right, so the last bit of news that we have, and this one will let go by pretty quick. God, I'm already tired of the news. Your boy. I hate the news. Your boy. Stanley, I got a lot of boys. Gene Baptiste. Oh, yes! New chief. You gotta um, like that. You can't, of, you can't not like that signing. Uh, so he was the 58th overall pick, uh, but he is now on his fourth team in four years. But resident, wow. resident Nebraska fan, his Dirkness... What do you remember from the glory days of Stanley Jean Baptiste in a Cornhuskers uniform? I liked him a lot. Uh, he's great in man-to-man coverage, huge body. Uh, but he would strangely like not play all the time. Like I don't even—he didn't even like play full time as a senior. Hmm. And he totally cashed in. And I was like, man, this guy's really good. He should be at least playing more. 
And I guess this is probably more like his junior year or so. And he just kind of remained like a part-time player, but this is like Pelini, and there's just like weird things going on. Uh, and then he totally gets overdrafted because the Seahawks win the Super Bowl, you know, four months earlier, and they got all these tall cornerbacks, and it's just like the the trend of that draft, like draft all tall cornerbacks, and so he just gets way overdrafted. And he didn't even last, he lasted one year with the team that drafted him in the second round. Right, that's, so, that's and if you look at the teams that he's played for, it's all the teams that are sort of trying to replicate that. He got drafted by the Saints. And then he played for the Lions, and then he went to Seattle, and now he's here. Uh-oh, like, Seattle didn't like him? Yeah, he was, he was with Seattle for 2015-2016, and now he's here. But you know what? Seattle didn't like Ron Parker either, so... Yeah. Um, I mean, I have no idea... He misses if the Midwest, to, clearly. Right. I, I have no idea if they're going to be able to do anything with this guy, but I figured at the very least, you'd be excited to I talk about Nebraska. Well, and, we gotta we got to bring up the, the Mike Lombardi yeah. theory on how to build a secondary. Yeah. You build it like a basketball team. You got your point guard, you got your shooting guard, all the way up to the center. We don't have anybody that's a power forward or a center defender. Like all our corners are six feet or under, pretty much. I think that, yeah, Mitchell might, like, kind of, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, I think, that, I think that really... But Baptiste is, like, 6'4", I think. Yeah, he's, he's, he's big. And I think that probably, like, the next biggest player that has been playing in man coverage is, like, Kenneth Acker. And he's... He's deactivated half the time, so like I don't, I don't. I mean, he'll probably make the team again, but yeah. um, I think at, at the very least for the Chiefs, whatever, it's a flyer. You yeah. Know? Well, plus and, there's a defensive back that Dorsey pulls out of his ass every single offseason. Yep. Yeah. And that this could, could be, be the one. one. I almost thought that they were going to try to bring back Kelsey McCray. He's on the street. Oh but, yeah. But no, that's not going to be the guy. Good special teamer. Alright, um, I'm I'm going to let us take a quick little uh, like Home Depot or whatever random ad break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the draft picks. Well, okay. The Chiefs. Mm, I'm hungry for Burger King. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. That's... After that tasty ad. Oh, okay. No, Burger King's the lowest of the low on the on the fast food chain. Yes, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be a Wendy's guy. <laughs> I'm so hungry I could eat at Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Chiefs drafted six players. Uh, they turned ten picks into six guys. Not and efficient. They gave up their first in 2018. Um, and that first went to the Buffalo Bills in order for the Chiefs to trade up to number ten. Our brethren. Dealing with our own brethren. Yeah. I like it. And uh, we, we, we did a thing. We huh? did a thing. We took a guy. We got a thing? So, <clears throat> Patrick Mahomes the second, Sir Patrick. Uh, so, I got I got a couple questions for you, Dirk. Um, oh, okay. The first that I want to know about, uh, the other night I went back and re-watched the Periscopes, which were, were entertaining. Damn, I've been meaning to. Entertaining. I've been meaning to. Um, when we traded up... And we're like kind of at the beginning of the recording. You are like like yelling Deshaun Watson's name. <laughs> well, and, well, I got the direct quote here when when they trade up. Rich Eisen here, I believe, because we're watching NFL Network. Uh oh, hold on a minute. KC is on the clock at ten, and we think that might be for Deshaun Watson. Just direct, just right out with. Him. And you were Deshaun. <laughs> really excited. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. The Chiefs the Chiefs go with Mahomes, who I think, just as far as like natural gifts are concerned, was the most talented quarterback in the class. Yeah. Um, and I think in listening to the quotes from John Dorsey and Andy Reid, they talk about just how rare it is to have somebody that can throw the ball the way that he does. Um, it's I know that this is going to be really hard to admit, even if it is true. Any disappointment from you at all that it ended up being Mahomes instead of Deshaun Watson? In our preview, you said, whatever you have to do to get Deshaun Watson. That's, I mean, if I was in charge. I also gave the disclaimer, I trust Andy Reid infinitely more than myself when it comes to mm-hmm. choosing quarterbacks. That being said, I would have chosen Deshaun Watson. Okay. Personally. I think, which is, the things I'm going to say about it are, are going to strike you as odd, but he's the safer choice, he has the higher floor, uh, and I just feel like with the talent on this team, uh, like, you know, a good quarterback on a rookie contract gets you there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Chiefs, they're with the home run swing. Uh, they absolutely, so, absolutely you know, did. If you get... I kind of like how uh, our guy, uh, I believe it's Kent Swanson on the Twitter put it. Like People are, are talking about whether he's, uh, damn, I can't remember the two names he used, but Cutler or... Like Stafford is what a lot of people have been Yeah, and he was kind of like judging some mediocre quarterbacks to bad quarterbacks. And he's like, they don't realize the upside. Like, he could be Rodgers. Could be Rodgers or Cutler or, you know, put in like Jamarcus or something. Right. Um, so that was kind of well put. I mean, if, if, man, if this hits, if he realizes his potential early on, like, yeah, it's, it's going to lead to many good things. Well, and the consensus on Mahomes that I think everyone, uh, all of the, the national talking heads, I mean, they've just said that this is the perfect situation for him. And some of that is a tremendous amount of respect for Andy Reid that I think is pretty global as far as the NFL is concerned now. But it's also just a matter of like, there's, there is an entrenched starter that where even had chiefs fans worried that we weren't maybe even going to take a quarterback because they like Alex Smith. And so I, I love that the way that they talked about it was that, you know, Alex embraced everything that apparently he watched tape with Andy and Dorsey of yeah. Mahomes throughout this process. And, I mean, he seems perfectly fine. And, and maybe that's, you know, him hiding his true feelings because he's, he's pretty robotic, let's be honest. But I, I, I like that we don't have to play him. That was something that when, when we were kind of, we were talking about them in the previews, it was just like, I I. I really don't think that any of these guys are ready to play right now. And that includes Watson. And I think that Watson's going to probably... You were saying about Watson. I think, I think Watson will start day one with the Texans. I think he'll... He's the most ready. And, it's, and you know, the, the crazy thing with him, I think that they said he started for his high school team as a true freshman, and then he started at Clemson as a true freshman, too. So it's just like he goes there and he just he starts. Yeah. Um, Never dealt with sitting. And... I mean, it's Tom Savage, not Alex Smith. You know, yeah. like that's that's that makes a huge difference. I do, I do really love the fact, and it it may end up 
feeling like nails on a chalkboard depending on how this thing turns out. But I love that these two quarterbacks, Watson and Mahomes, like these guys are linked forever now. You've got two teams that trade up from 27 and 25 respectively to go get their guy. And it's two teams that are loaded with talent, young talent too, that are seemingly a quarterback away. Yep. And I Watson, I, I do think, is going to see the field way before Mahomes does as a starter. Um, and so whether that helps him or hinders him, I don't know. You know, because you look at the way that this has worked out with quarterbacks in the past, some guys need to be on the field to get reps and get timing. And other guys, they need to sit. And we won't know if, you know, what Aaron Rodgers could have done if he didn't have to sit for three seasons in Green Bay... But when he came in, he kind of hit the ground running, and so I mean, I but I, I don't I don't know I'm I'm not sure what to expect here, but I do think that at least as far as trading up and getting a quarterback is concerned, the best part about it for me is watching Andy Reid and watching John Dorsey how excited they are in the draft room, listening to. Like, how how glowingly they're talking about this kid, how much they like him, and how excited they are about the draft pick. They sound like fans. <laughs> and that's phenomenal. Like, you're, you're constantly, as a coach or as a general manager, like, you'll be complimentary of your guys, but they don't talk about players the way that they've been talking about Mahomes. It feels very unique. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's also great that, you know... Between those two guys, Andy got his guy. Yeah. I mean, this is something we talked about quite a bit on the Periscopes, but there's no debate about whether Andy actually wanted Deshaun Watson but didn't have the choice to get him. And it's mm-hmm. not like that's not like a talking point for the next five yeah. years or whatever. Andy got the one that he wanted. Yeah, it wasn't like a knee-jerk reaction to this run on quarterbacks, so we have to go get the guy. you know. And that may have been what Houston did. They may have said, well, like, we're okay with, you know, the, these three guys, Trubisky, Mahomes, and Watson, and because two of them went, they just had they had to go up and get the last one that was on the board. They did. They needed a quarterback more than us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they needed a quarterback more immediately than us. So, you're, you're not necessarily disappointed because you trust Andy and you trust Dorsey. Do you think that maybe... Like, you felt a little bit more comfortable about it because they were able to trade up and get their guy with Watson on the board? Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm, I'm definitely in the camp of, like... I, I think that in the preview, when I was watching him, it was just like, I, I didn't see a middle ground for Mahomes. I thought that he was either going to be absolutely nothing or he was just going to be able to to set the league on fire because of the skills that he has. And it's either going to translate or it's not. Um, One thing that I didn't really know, and maybe this is overblown, but he's a two-time academic All-American. Mahomes? Yeah, and he's only 21. Like, he's young and he's really sharp. and um, Like, that excites me, seeing that you've got a kid that, despite the fact that the offense didn't give him the opportunities to have to memorize long play calls or whatever, but he clearly has the mental capacity to be able to do that. You know, that was one of the things that seemed like people were so excited about Josh Dobbs because he's so smart. Like, this quarterback is is a actual rocket scientist or something. He's doing, like, 
space engineering program or something. So like, well, he's clearly the mental side is is all together for him. Yeah. Um, but Mahomes, he really does look like the complete package. He's just got a steep learning curve. Well, there's the quote from from Dorsey said, "I had the coaches rank the quarterbacks on their ability to learn the game and retain it and do the whole thing." And Mahomes was number one out of all the guys. So it's kind of like they put them all through their quarterback mm-hmm. school. And it basically, I mean, God, it sounds like the biggest leap is like the play calling thing, which seems so weird. Why can't we just make play calls shorter in the NFL? I don't, I, somebody, a question to ask a smarter person than me, I guess. Um, but it seems like Mahomes was the one that retained that the best, which seems kind of strange. But maybe he's just like, like the sharpest. Pretty much. Well, and they did say like they don't seem concerned about him being able to pick up the the language and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which is a, was awesome. They did say that like they they basically tried to put too much on all the quarterbacks. Like we are going to give you more than you can handle, and then had each of the guys with any kind of decision making power rate the quarterbacks after the fact. And with Mahomes being the consensus, you know, one guy, it was interesting also to hear though that. Apparently, they've been getting every take from Texas Tech for, like, the last two seasons. Oh, yeah. Just, like, awesome. just hand it over. From Paul Meyerberg, I believe. Yeah. They've been, they've been watching guy. very, very closely. Yeah. So, <clears throat> the Mahomes pick obviously does not impact the team in 2017. It may, in, like, some strange ways where people think that, like, Alex is going to be more willing to cut it loose. He's just, like... You know, he has nothing to lose at this point. It's it's basically kind of etched in stone at this point that this is Alex's last year as the Chiefs' starting quarterback. Probably his last year with the Chiefs. Uh, but I, the thing that I feel like I I noticed a little bit. I feel like that needs to be repeated. There's there's a lot of a lot of talk about Mahomes sitting for two or three years. If you look at the salaries, look at the books. Everything points to Alex's release in 2018. Uh, everything points to it being his team for 2017, but unless you're paying him uh, an extra 18 million, which you could save on the cap to be the backup or to continue being the starter over the the pick you just traded two first round picks for or used two first round picks on, mm-hmm. uh, then he will be gone by 2018. Yeah. And hopefully via trade. Hopefully we get like a you know second or third <laughs> round pick out of it. And I think that kind of ease the damage of taking Mahomes. I think that's kind of the plan for now. Yeah, there are enough QB needy teams that I think that you can get, even if all you get is like a fourth rounder out of it. But it just gives you the ability to try to maneuver and, and trade up for somebody. You just need to find a team that has the good team, but they're like a solid quarterback away, yeah. which would be the Broncos and the Texans this offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might be different next offseason. You know. I mean, is he going to be the backup? Or is it gonna, I mean, because it's, it's him. A lot of people ask that, like, if he goes out, you know, one game or so, I would definitely prefer to see Mahomes over Bray. Bray does absolutely nothing for me. I don't, he doesn't, I don't, he can be the third quarterback, that's fine, cool. Uh, I don't. They've just invested a lot of time in yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it hasn't been a lot of money, obviously, but he's been here for a while. Yeah. Wasn't he part of, like, the Eric Fisher draft class? Maybe? I don't know. I mean, he's undrafted, you know, but I I, I guess I have a hard time imagining them just saying, like, under no circumstances is Pat Mahomes going to see the field or something. 
like in like you know outside of the preseason games. Well, like, the only... and I feel like if he's relegated to the third quarterback, that like it's you're essentially eliminating any possible way that he goes out and plays. It would be because he doesn't, he can't like recite the play calls. Like he's just, yeah, it's it's impossible for him to be quarterback because he's so behind mentally, mm-hmm. which is possible. You know, you don't know. I don't know. Studying this fucking playbook from Andrew Reid doesn't seem easy. <laughs> Definitely. They did say that they were impressed with him at rookie camp with his ability to kind of adjust and handle the play calls and some of that. Um, he he got robbed the other day at gunpoint. Yeah. Um, so I most like the theory that Alex Smith was behind it. I, I, did, <laughs> I did see that. I, I, I guess I support that, that it is humorous, but... Cl- so, I just, <laughs> Don't kill him, just injure him badly. <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, that's obviously a scary situation. I don't think that you really hear about guys, like, getting getting robbed at gunpoint. It's more like they took a gun to the airport. So it's something stupid instead of something out of their control. My, uh, my uh, sources on that say uh, he stayed very calm and composed throughout the whole thing. Oh. So... That's exactly what Great you sign. want to see in the huddle. Great sign for the future. Yeah. Okay. Great sign. That's fantastic. Yeah, he took he took uh, you know took responsibility for it. He took leadership in the moment. Um, everything you'd want to see out of your future quarterback. The the thing with Mahomes for me when I look at the way that he can play inside of this offense, I think where I get worried a little bit about him is that. And we're, we're all like the wow factor with Mahomes. It's always the ability to just chuck the ball downfield. He's got such, a, you know, really strong uh, velocity. But, like when we, the last strong-armed quarterback that the Chiefs had, that, I guess Tyler Bray counts, but the last guy that felt like they were really trying to get him into a position to play was Brody Croyle, and Croyle, Ugh. don't get me wrong, this is not, we're not talking about this, this is a completely different player from Pat Mahomes, but maybe it's just that, that, that eerie feeling that you get as a Chiefs fan because it's been 30 some odd years since they drafted a quarterback this high, but with Croyle, he did, like, he had a, a, a live arm. As yeah. they say, but he had no touch whatsoever. Like and he's also on, he's also a little wiener, right? But like on a swing pass, he would like be be gunning it sixty miles an hour at the running yeah. back, and he just didn't seem to have a feel for the game. Mahomes has some touch; he just doesn't really, you know, move his feet at all. <laughs> he just stands there like he's in cement. But he's got some touch. His footwork is so bad. <laughs> it's actually like really funny to watch yeah. him at Texas Tech, <laughs> yeah. and it's like. That's what makes the throws all the more impressive. Is I'm just like, what? What was that? Like, that didn't even look comfortable. Yeah. Like, what did you do? Um, I, I mean, I think the. I mean, the big question with Mahomes to me is, uh, does Andy change the offense to fit Mahomes, or does he try to fit Mahomes into the offense that the Chiefs have been running? Uh, I think the answer is pretty clear that it's he's going to change the offense to fit Mahomes. You know, I've seen some stuff out there that's like, you know, Mahomes doesn't really fit with Andy Reid. And that was kind of what we said before the draft. We, we don't think he's going to go with Mahomes because look at the offense he's been running for this long. And, you know, you want someone like Alex Smith, someone who's efficient and robotic and does what he says pretty much. 
not someone who's running around and making plays and chucking it downfield and taking unnecessary chances and all that stuff. But, you know, Andy's been around the block. He coached Favre. Uh, he coached the Mike Vick Eagles, which they aren't running the same offense they're running now. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the, uh, the, the brilliance in Andy Reid is that he designs offenses to fit around the quarterback. He chose Alex Smith, and then he kind of studied the spread offense. He brought in that uh, Nevada coach, Chris Alt, mm-hmm. who's one of the fathers of the spread offense. The, uh, he the did pistol the offense. pistol. He, yeah. 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 Um, but I think his, it went beyond that. That was just like mm-hmm. his newest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he, I mean, he really designed the offense to fit around, like adopted some Urban Meyer schemes, which was Alex's coach in college, fit around Alex's strengths. And that's what we've seen. Like, we've, we've seen Alex Smith maximized. So now we get to see Patrick Mahomes. What's he going to do now? I mean, you would think to fit his skill set, it's going to be a totally new offense. Which, when does that go in? I think... When does that go in? Next offseason? Yeah, I mean, I think, though, that, like, you say totally new offense. I think the biggest change that you're going to see is just where the ball goes. It's not necessarily... I don't even know that Andy's going to have them running completely different routes. Because we had... We had receivers running downfield routes, and Alex just I've didn't... I've seen it. I've seen it on the All-22s. Yeah, just just didn't throw to them and whatnot. So, I mean, I do think there there is going to be a little bit of a style shift, maybe in the players that they want. Because it seems like, offensively with Alex, it was more about like these twitchy guys that are going to gain separation because Alex wants the open guy... He needs to see the guy be open before he throws the ball. Or a guy he can and, just swing the ball to and they can make someone miss. Right. And I think, though, that with Mahomes, you know, that's one thing. Like, So I wanted to ask you, like, who do you think is going to be his number one target in preseason? Oh, in this preseason? Yeah, like who's the guy that he's going to have a great string? rapport with? Hopefully yeah. Chesson, I guess. So, so <laughs> Well, and then the other thing is look at those – People may think think I was joking, but look at all those undrafted free agents they brought in. Like a There's third like of them were receivers. Rece- There's like four receivers. Yes. There's a ton of them, and it's just like I think they're looking for a new type of receiver to fit with Mahomes. Alex, you know, like you said, looking for the open receiver, mm-hmm. uh, totally different style. Mahomes does a lot of like back shoulder stuff. We don't really have the back shoulder receiver. Well, and he's just he's willing to put it in places that Alex is not. Not yeah. only because he trusts his arm, but just because he's a different style player. And when you're talking about like throwing the ball down the seams, throwing the ball outside the hash marks down the field too, like a lot of times you want guys that have the ability to go up and get the ball in the air. You want guys that can use their body a little bit more. And that's just like, I mean, the Chiefs went out and paid Jeremy Macklin a ton of money and it's based on his route running ability, not because he's got, you know, this, this great NFL wide receiver body. And so, I mean, I, I look at, like, I think that Chesson, and we'll, we'll talk to a little bit more in depth about him, but I think that that was kind of a great pick just because of the way that he's built and the way that he played in 2015. I thought Chesson's biggest strength was ball skills. Like, yeah. Ab- above his head ball skills, playing it in the air, catching mm-hmm. it, that kind of stuff. So I think he fits. And I, and I think that as, as that style changes a little bit offensively, they will be kind of looking maybe for a little bit different player on the outside. But, I mean, they still want to be able to run a lot of the standard Andy Reid crossing concepts and stuff where it is timing routes. I, I do think, though, um, the guy that, that Therese tabbed as his, his number one receiver in this upcoming preseason was Demarcus Robinson. Oh, um, the now, forgotten man. 
and I something that I feel like I don't know maybe I just maybe I'm wrong here but I felt like it kind of came to me that if you draft a quarterback you probably end up drafting a receiver in the same draft class and it's just because like you want them to be able to grow together a little bit. They go to like the mini camps together, right? And it's, so it's just like you have these two guys that they kind of work together, you know. And you look at like um, when when Derek Carr became the starting quarterback, it was like Andre Holmes had like that big year, I think. And it was just like that's the guy that he's been throwing to in practice all the time. Like you, you get timing down with that player. Yeah, yeah. And so whether that is Chesson or whether that is you know Demarcus Robinson, they didn't come in together. But like guys that he's constantly playing with. Yeah, just, just second team receivers. Yeah, I I think that that that's going to be good. And and I I I liked the Chesson pick. But let's let's move on. Let's talk about Taino, um, or Special K. Apparently, as the coaches decided. Um, he said he well, was pretty. Coaches decided that. Yeah, that was that's what they were calling him. Uh, the the coaches and the players at rookie minicamp. Special K. I like K Pasa. Okay. K Pasa. I um I will take future credit for this uh, because I liked it. But original credit goes to a reply to our boy Craig Stout from Tarquin Chu Chuhillo Chuhillo. He's been following me for a while. I know the name. Okay. Uh, that sounds a, familiar. He's a loyal fan. Or at least well, a fan of me. Maybe not of the podcast. <laughs> but he said but he said K Pasa. Yeah, K Pasa. Okay. I mean you look at his name, K Pasa. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. you say what's up? Because he's like what? He's like seven two or something? He's very tall. Seven, did you, did seven you, eight. Did you see that picture of Therese like sizing yeah. him up? <laughs> That's so fantastic. Therese kinda has his head cocked back a little bit. He's looking at like this mountain of a man. Um so did you watch some? Did you watch some K Pasa? I mean, I watched a little bit, but mainly I was watching like the Senior Bowl stuff with him because that's kind of where he made a name for himself, and it was also like where he was playing against actual competition. Mm-hmm. What were the games that were on draft breakdown? It was like South Dakota State. They were really small. The Jackrabbits. One was I don't I don't even know if that was that. I'll look it up. But I mean, it was it was a couple like a couple not great. I mean. Like, did you know that Villanova had a football team? I didn't. Yeah, I, uh, I sure did. Brian Westbrook went there. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Man, he's done his Andy Reid homework. Um, How about so, K-Pasa showing up as an edge rusher on, on draft breakdown? I couldn't even find him for forever. <laughs> like, where is this guy? Because <laughs> he's 295-pound edge rusher. Hard, hard to lose a 6'7", 295-pound player, but that's just that <laughs> positional awareness. Um, so, Tano's a standout at the Senior Bowl. Um, it was South Dakota State, you nailed that, and St. Francis. <laughs> okay. Powerhouse of St. Francis. Alright. Well, at the Senior Bowl, uh, on the first day of practice at the Senior Bowl, they do a lot of one-on-ones, the defensive and offensive linemen, um, and it's always like an edge drill, where it's the defensive lineman trying to get around the edge of that, that, uh, offensive lineman. And, uh... He goes against Forrest Lamp, who I think a lot of people said was the top offensive lineman in the class. Um, ended up being drafted by the Chargers, so that's fun. These two are going to get to continue to go at it. Uh, Forrest Lamp gets back in his pass protection, and Tano like 
really ate his lunch and then threw him to the ground. Um, it's worth watching. You can you'll you'll find it. Go over and check out like Seth's timeline or the article that he did on ArrowheadPride.com and Force Lampton went home. Went that home. was the only day of practice that he did. He didn't stay. He went home. Oh. Now, he may not have, like, <laughs> taken his helmet off after that one play and went home, but I, I do that. love that he that. went home after the one day of practice. Oh, awesome. Um, he was the third-rated defensive end in the Spark category, which is, like, an athletic testing metric. And, I mean, this, to me... When I look at him, you obviously he's six seven. They said that his his arms were like the longest of anybody in the draft class. His hands were like the biggest of anybody in the There's draft class. There's a picture class. of him that came out after the draft that's just that's extraordinary. He's he's six foot seven, like over two ninety, and he has four percent body fat. Like he they just they said that like when he went in to like do his weigh in at the senior bowl, which is like a dude in a pair of like compression shorts. Yeah. They were like hooping and hollering. Woo! <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, people were like, take it like, off! Oh my gosh! Take it off! Uh, so, Ma- Magic Mike is maybe what it needs to be another variation. You'll, you'll there figure you go. out the, the right Magic Second Mike career. name. Um, but, I mean, right now, like, if for no other reason than he played at Villanova and he's just extremely raw, this is way more like Margus Hunt from SMU. He worked out well. Than, than Calais Campbell. He worked right? out well. Um, he's just, there's no polish in his game at all. Like, people have really questioned, like, what kind of coaching he got at Villanova. And everybody seemed impressed with the way that he played at the Senior Bowl. Um, yeah, it seems like a, definitely a, a Senior Bowl pick. And that's uh, what the Chiefs do every year. They usually grab, like, one guy that they liked at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Uh, I watched the two videos of him uh, against those lesser competitions and was very unimpressed. Okay. Um, just didn't, didn't, didn't seem mean, didn't seem like he was getting after, it was just kind of there. Uh, every time he's double teamed, he just kind of shut down. Um, I feel like he's probably a guy that's getting double teamed on like every play though, right? There I, mean, some sing- I mean, I just, it just, against the level of competition, it was just like not as good as you'd hope for a second round NFL pick. Okay. So I was really confused watching those. I guess the senior bowl is, is, uh, what they saw. And that's obviously against better competition. I was reading Seth's article today, and he kind of echoed what I saw. Like, watching the first two, it's just like large chunks of time go by in the game, and it's just like, where's he at? Like, he's not doing anything, and this is, you know, mm-hmm. incredibly inferior competition. And then he said he turned on the Senior Bowl, and he was one of the best defenders in, in the entire game. And so I guess that's what they saw. And he's obviously a project. He's obviously, I think he's billed as Alan Bailey's replacement this point yeah because you can get out from Alan Bailey's contract next year um but yeah not didn't see it in his in his game fill but it's only two games and you know what is it I I'm I'm interested because I think that he's he's obviously unique the way that he's built and I mean even draft breakdown is lifting him as an edge rusher well yeah that's all the work and you can see that in those two games like he's better around the edge than he is like getting push in the interior. Well, and he played 4-3 so like, defensive end, right? That's what he's playing in the Senior Bowl. I think he's playing 3-4 defensive end at three, Villanova. 3-4 at Villanova? Okay. It looked like it, but he was coming around mm-hmm. the edge a lot, too. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of a quote from him that he said he was lining up with the tackle or outside of the tackle. And that's what at Chiefs minicamp. 
And so it's just kind of like, what do they have in store for this guy? Maybe he's kind of like a very, very part-time player this year, just comes in on third downs, and you kind of line up at weird spots. Uh, and then hopefully he evolves into like an everyday 3-4 defensive end after that. Uh, I really don't know what the plan is. Uh, I think kind of the theme of this draft class maybe, or at least what the defenders drafted, they're all kind of hybrid defenders. And that's kind of the yeah. uh, a fad in the NFL right now. Like you look at Arizona's defense, like their entire 11 on defense, none of them have a set position. They're yeah. all just good defenders that are all just kind of matching up and filling different spots. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like each defender the Chiefs drafted – like McCoy is kind of a corner safety. Uh, that inside linebacker is kind of a, a really fast inside linebacker, so maybe he switches to outside. You don't know. Um, so it's just kind of hybrid defenders seem to be the uh, what they're going for. I, I'm not sure how much we see of him this season, really. I mean, if you look at the defensive line, and knowing that on a lot of plays we go to two guys, I mean, they don't get to stay in that base defense very often. And so you're talking about Alan Bailey and Chris Jones. You've got Benny Logan. And then of the guys that he's really competing with for playing time, you have Raheem Nunez Rochez, who I would rather watch than Tano right now. I'm more than happy to let Tano sit and try to develop and practice and whatnot and let yeah. R&R play. Um, and Jarvis Jenkins, I know that like you don't really care for him. I frankly don't either. I would have rather have seen them bring back Kendall Reyes than bring back Jenkins. But they like him. I mean, he's been here for two years or something, and then they decided to sign him to another contract. You've got David King, who I really like. Um, and then they still have the two guys that I think are kind of competing for snaps behind Benny Logan are TJ Barnes, and then they brought in that Montori Hughes, and both of those guys are like pure nose tackles. Okay. But, I mean, like, that's a lot of bodies that he's going to have to fight through in order to get snaps. Now, if it's anything like last year and it's just a complete war of attrition on a defensive line, then he'll be playing in week two. Yeah. But I do think that what they saw in him was a rare athlete with just the, the build and the actual athleticism in him. It's It's... This is not something that you get to see every year. Oh yeah, and so it's a project, th- and you hope that he becomes. He hopes he fulfills the potential of his body. Yeah, uh, and of, and if he doesn't, I think that they probably feel okay knowing that like, if they don't see him make the kind of strides that they want, and he's still just like a total project entering next year, then in the draft they can with the second round or third round or fourth round pick just like grab a guy that plays well against the run and can just be plugged in and, and play defensive end or sign somebody off the street. 3-4 defensive end is pretty low on the totem pole of important players. You think? But when you have this like rare skill set like he does, you're hoping that you get a guy like Calais Campbell or Richard Seymour or well, whatever yeah, it's a, it's that can a, just do this un, these unbelievable things at a position that's normally filled with Mike DeVito. It's, it's like Mahomes. I mean, it's a boomer bust pick. Yeah. I mean, he has the potential to be something amazing. Like, just look at his body. Just look at a picture of him, and yeah. you'll see that he's a boomer bust. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look at it, I guess look at a picture and look where he went to school. That's, that's the boom, his body, the bust, where he went to school. Yeah. Um, one thing I can, you can say for sure... And something I kind of said at the end of our draft preview, look at who the Chiefs draft in that second to third to fourth round range at who they're going to let go in 2018. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot of contracts you can get rid of in 2018. You can save some money. So who do they who do they go after? They went after defensive end. 
they obviously were not happy with Jay Howard and Alan Bailey at the start of last year. Yeah. I don't remember how many games they played together, four or five, but we were talking them about them as the most disappointing players. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I mean, we were talking, did Alan, we thought, Alan Bailey done anything? And it was like five or six games into the season. We thought that the defensive line was the best position group on the team entering yeah. the season. And then, I mean, and they got decimated with injuries, but even well, when... And, and even a lot of the run defense problems have been written off as like all injuries. No, yeah. Alan Bailey and Jay Howard were in there. They just weren't getting the job done. And now you see Alan J. Howard gets cut, a move I still don't necessarily agree with. Now you see Alan Bailey on the chopping block with K. Pasa coming in. Uh, I think that's what they're looking at. I think they're, they, I think they're gravely disappointed with those first four or five games from from uh, Howard and Bailey. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, the Chiefs traded up for the second time in the draft in order to get Kareem Hunt at the end of the third round there in day two. Uh, this is a guy that played at Toledo. When we previewed the draft class, when we previewed the guys that we were interested in, uh, Kareem Hunt was ultimately the running back that I kind of relented and said, I think this is the guy that I want. Um, his production in college is just absolutely unbelievable. Um, Especially as a sophomore. So A sophomore, 1,600 yards and an 8.0 yard per carry. Holy shit. Um and if, if you're keeping score at home, I know you're going to love this one, Dirk. He broke, like, every single school record for running backs, formerly held by one Chester Taylor. Oh, damn. I was thinking Michael Turner was in Northern Illinois. Yes, Chester Taylor. So, um, in four seasons at Toledo, Kareem Hunt had one fumble. There you go. Um, there you go. As a senior, 44 catches. He forced 98 missed tackles. Uh, he was rated as the third most elusive back in the class behind Alvin Kamara and uh, Cook, the Florida State kid. Dalvin Cook, though. Dalvin Cook. There you Guy go. Guy who has the worst measurables ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you said 44 <laughs> catches also. No drops in oh, those 44 catches. Nice. So, but oddly enough, he didn't catch. I mean, I'm looking at his stats right now. Receiving yards by year: freshman 68, sophomore 39, junior 45. This is total receiving yards for the season. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, as a senior, 41 catches, 403 yards. And I don't know if it was an offense evolving or them just deciding, let's try to, you know, use you in different ways because teams just know that we're gonna, you know, run I to death. I feel what. like it was like. Let's As a junior, he looked at his draft stock, like, how can I improve? Like, start catching passes. Yeah. And he told his coaches that, and they were like, okay, fine. We'll do that. that that's my theory. Um, after they drafted him, they basically turned around and cut Darren Reeves. Ah. Uh, and I, I think everybody kind of liked Darren Reeves. I didn't. No? No. <laughs> you also don't like Shark Andrew Glass. I thought he was bad. <laughs> you thought Darren Reeves was bad? <laughs> yeah. Off-season yeah. dirt. Darren Reeves sucks. Yeah. <laughs> no, goes in the preseason last year. I didn't see it. <laughs> okay. Everyone else raved. Um, Kareem Hunt, I think, is the consensus of, like, this is the player that's going to make an impact in year one. Or has the best chance to. Yeah. Um, I mean, is he going to start? Uh, I don't think it matters. I mean, you're looking at it. percentage matters. Who's, who's yeah. getting the percentages of snaps? Do you think that he will have the highest percentage of snaps? No, I'd still say Spencer Ware. Spencer Ware, okay. I mean, if I had to draw it up, you're looking at Ware and him and and West. 
I'll go, I mean, I'll go where 50%, hunt 35, west 15. Okay. That's my guess. Well, you're going to have to adjust those numbers because you know about 5 or 10% of the time they're going to be handing that ball to Tyreek. Um, but I, so, and, and the other guy that you didn't mention here. Oh, CJ. Is CJ Spiller going to make the team? Fuck if I know. Like, fuck if I know. Could, could. What's CJ Spiller been doing? Let's check it out. Not much. <laughs> not hey, much. I ain't here to hate on that. I don't think, so we talked about. Oh man, it's 2016 sets. Seahawks, three attempts, nine yards. Jets, three attempts, nine yards. He's consistent. <laughs> <laughs> I I I mean the Chiefs look at consistency. That's, that's exciting. That's consistent. <laughs> um, I, mean, I thought when he went to the Saints in 2015, he was going to explode because oh, I always yeah. really liked CJ Spiller. Yeah. Uh, 112 rushing yards later, that was not the case. I remember I drafted him in fantasy. What was and he his, got me 112 rushing yards? What was his last good year? Uh, 2013, 933 yards. 2012, 1,244 yards, and a 6.0 yard per carry. So, throw on almost 500 yards receiving. We've obviously... 1,700 yards in 2012. He was, yeah, very, very good. Um, I mean, look, the the Bills are not really a first-class organization. Hey, 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 And I don't know if his body just broke down or what, but now you're talking about the Chiefs taking a flyer on a guy that hasn't been good more recently than Jamal Charles and Marshawn Lynch, who I'm assuming are both older than C.J. Spiller. Um, and, and the Chargers saw- have an old back we can throw into that? they got to have someone on the team, right? I'll look it up. Yeah, they'll figure it out. They'll, they'll find somebody. they gotta, you know, they got to get with the times. That's, that's the AFC West move this year, to hire a running back. That's- but, I, I mean, you saw the quotes from uh, John Dorsey saying that C.J. Spiller like looked like the player that people were in love with, finally. I'm like, okay, well, that's... I mean, really nice of you to say. Uh, long story short, on Kareem Hunt, uh, I I do think that this is a guy, despite not having the breakaway speed that people really want to see, especially like the timed speed, I think Kareem Hunt is going to make a pretty big impact right off the bat. And I I love that you're talking about you know, with three of your first four picks in the draft that you finally take a quarterback, you get a running back and a receiver. Um, I, I think Kareem Hunt is going to be a good player for a long time. Uh, again, you know, hey, I'm, I'm a Chiefs fan, so I'm always rooting for guys to be good, obviously. But this is a guy, you you watch him at Toledo, and it, he really does look kind of like the, the full package. He not only makes guys miss because he's elusive, but he makes guys not tackle him because of the, the running style that he has. Well, his balance is what everybody <clears throat> freaks out about. And, you know, turn on a game or two and you won't... It won't take long to see what they're talking about. It's yeah, he's... Amazing balance. And every down type of back, he's a horse. He can carry it 30 times in certain games. I mean, the biggest problem I think I have with the pick, 782 carries in college. Like, just I'm just worried about the lifespan of running backs. Like... Give me, give me a running back who has 300 carries in college, not 800, just yeah, because, you know, I, you know I watched Spencer Ware go from idea. NFL MVP to, you know, we have to replace him in, in yeah. five weeks. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's, I, I mean, that's kind of my biggest problem with him. Um, I thought uh, that he looked a lot like Frank Gore, the way that he ran. I, um, I remember, I remember <clears> you saying that. I didn't see that necessarily. And, 
and uh, our buddy Jinx, who has been on Kareem Hunt for years, he said that he actually saw, he thought that the best NFL comparison for him was Brian Westbrook. And I don't think that he necessarily has the speed that Westbrook did. But I also, like, I don't necessarily remember Brian Westbrook having, like, breaking off these long touchdown runs because of his speed and stuff. It like, But he was elusive, and he could catch the ball. And Yeah, I think, the, I think, I think the, the biggest plus of Brian Westbrook was catching 70, 80 balls a season. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that Hunt has the ability to do that. Um, the, the receiver, we talked a little bit about Jehu Chesson. Jehu? Um, so this guy... Jehu? I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna even address that. Okay. Uh, okay. He he played at Michigan, uh, so I mean I believe that that what they refer to Michigan's offense as as pro style. Is oh, it, is it a pro style offense? It seems like it. And you would think that he's probably got a a great pedigree coming. From, well, pedigree may not be the right word, but great elite college coaching <laughs> from the uh, the guy in the khakis. Yeah. Uh, the guy with the the sharpie around his neck. Yeah. Sharpie so, necklace. Uh, Chesson actually comes from Liberia, uh, exactly where oh. Tom Ali came from. Hey. Um, he's 23 years old. He was a redshirt senior this year. Um, he actually leaves Michigan and comes to the Chiefs with a master's degree. Um, as a senior, as a, a, I say a true senior in uh, 2015, the season that everybody was kind of like going gaga over him, he was both the team MVP and their Citrus Bowl MVP, um, and that was the game that he torched Florida, right? Yes. Yeah, had uh, Vernon Hargraves falling over. Yeah, so there's the one route on a little stop and go, I believe it is, but Something like Hargraves that, yeah. is 15 yards behind him when he catches the touchdown. Um, and I think that this is the guy, like, you know, the people have said that he's got a really high floor, that he's just kind of like a ready-made player, that which basically means he doesn't need to develop, but you might... What he is right now is what you're going to get for his career. I think he's kind of, like, the mentality of him, like, that he just wants to come to work and do his job and do everything that you ask of him and is going to take everything pretty seriously. He's kind of like the anti-Albert Wilson, who who people have have said is too cool for school because he doesn't want to, like, go up for the ball. Well, you know, Um, with Alex as your quarterback, you need someone cool at receiver, so you bring in Albert Wilson. Yeah. Because, I mean, look at him on the sidelines. He's very Look cool. at him showboating out there. Look at him dropping touchdowns and not really tracking the ball at all. Yeah. Mahomes, he's super cool. So, I mean, so now you want all so the So now you want receivers. like a guy who's going to bring his lunch pail to that outside, the numbers. And hopefully that's what they got in Chesson. Uh, in watching him, his 2015 tape, I mean, he looks great. Uh, I mentioned earlier his tracking the ball. I was really impressed with that. His strong hands. Like He just looked like a really good receiver. Uh, he was big. He's fast. Uh, not a burner, really, but but he's quick. He, he ran like mid four fours at six three two oh five two ten. I mean that's that's moving yeah. for that size. And then you plug it, so it gets hurt. He hurts himself at some point. He had a PCL or something. I thought it happened in the bowl game. It might have. It happened. I mean, it happened sometime before between junior and senior year, and he played his bowl game. So you would think it happened then. And it's actually senior and. Like redshirt senior, or fifth year senior. Oh yeah, he was a senior in 2015. Yeah, that's weird. His stats here go freshman, sophomore, senior, senior. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so he has like a few games on draft breakdown from his last year in 2016, 
doesn't quite look like the same receiver. Mm-hmm. It's very, very limited film. I think it's only one or two games. But you're looking at him, doesn't have the same quickness, and just doesn't look like the same receiver necessarily. So that kind of popped out. Um, so what you're hoping is, I mean, the old school thought used to be, you know, you get hurt, you come back the next year, but you're not quite the same, and then the next year you're back to yourself. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of hoping that's true, um, and you're hoping that uh, he can regain his form. But man, if he regains his form from that junior year, from 2015, I guess, uh, he looked like a really good receiver. I was very impressed with what I saw in 2015. Well, and so they changed quarterbacks in between the two seasons. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of people said that like this, the quarterback play was way down this year for Michigan. Um, he, he's got a teammate, Amara Darbo, and their numbers were somewhat similar, but Chesson's numbers were better in 2015. Then in 2016, Darbo kind of, kind of got the, the bulk of the work, so to speak. And he ended up getting drafted in the third round, I think by Seattle. Um, I mean, Michigan, I think led the draft with number of players picked. Um, but they also had Jake Butt. Brady Hoke putting in that recruiting work. Yeah. Uh, they also had my guy Jake Butt, who ended up in Denver. Fucking jerks. Now you must have loved that Denver draft class. Man, with him and Chad Kelly. I can't believe Ooh. Chad Kelly was fucking Mr. Irrelevant. He's the best quarterback on the roster right that. now. I can't believe that. I can't believe that. Well, and did you see, I mean, Jim Kelly reported he figured it out. Which sucks. Because <laughs> he probably would have been a first-round pick if we'd known that before the draft. Thanks, no. Jim. Well... The, so the thing with with Jehu, they said that it, it was kind of like a combination of a bunch of things. The injury not really working out. Maybe Darbo really took a step forward. And then the quarterback. I don't know. Like There's just there's a collection of things there. Um, but I, I think that he's going to be a great fit with Mahomes. And when you watch him in 2015, he does look like a, like a pretty special player. I did a little bit of research... Trying to figure out, like, entering the season, where people had him. And I saw mock drafts that had him as as high as late first, early second round. So people really liked him. And a lot of people were like, are you surprised that the Chiefs, you know, traded up and took this guy in the fourth round? And I think that, you know, you mentioned the, the theme of this draft class. Like, I think that the Chiefs saw guys that they liked, and they went up and got them. And really, the theme for me was instead of necessarily taking like guys that have this this great body of work, they see potential in each of these players and said, you know, I I want this guy because I think that he's going to end up doing something, you know, later on. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a lot of boomer bust picks, which I mean, they've hit a lot of boom picks lately. Yeah, like Marcus Peters is a boomer bust pick. He he boomed. Yeah. Tyreek Hill is boomer bust. He boomed. They definitely... Travis Kelsey was boomer bust. He boomed. They, those boom, 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 boom. Well, the last two guys really... Also, kinda... also, but before you get to that, like the fan theory of we don't have 10 spots on this roster for new players, so let's trade up and like cut it down to like six or seven. That actually worked. That it actually did. applied. Yeah. It was weird. If you saw that kind of floating around that week of the draft, like... We retained, it was something like 49 of the 53 from last year or something that we finished the season with. And it's just like, man, do we really have room for 10 players with all these picks? And people were like, well, trade up and use these picks to get, you know, who you want. And the Chiefs actually did it. It's cool. 
I, I think that Chesson, like, ultimately, he definitely boosts the competition, but, like, I wouldn't say he's a lock to make the roster. I mean, we saw a second-round pick get cut last year, and I know that that's the exception and not the rule, but... Wait, who? Kavari? Yeah. Oh, third round, but yeah. Okay, well, our our second pick, whatever. Okay. Um, I mean, but and this is a guy that they that's traded true. up for, you know, but, like, if, if he doesn't fit, then he's not going to make it, because they have Macklin, Tyreek, Conley, Albert Wilson... Robinson, DeAnthony Thomas. I mean, like they. I, I I don't know who stays and who goes, but I mean, Chesson does look like a good fit, and I think that he's the kind of guy that can probably he he returned kicks a little bit at Michigan. He had a long return touchdown while he was there, and like I just I he, oh I also saw him. He blocked a punt, and he also made or he nearly made a great uh, gunner play. Okay, I expect him to be the gunner next year for sure. So we've got we've got. Two final picks. Ukime Aligwe, the linebacker for... Is that Georgia State? Is that right? I don't yeah. have it in front Love of me. Georgia State. And then uh, Leon McQuay third from USC. Uh, these two guys, like, it's it's not necessarily the same story, but let's look at it this way. Um, in, in their high school class, Ukime Aligwe, the number two... 4-3 outside linebacker coming out of high school. He was the 44th overall recruit in the nation. He looks incredibly fast in, in the highlights that you've seen. He has no draft breakdown videos. He was kicked out of Florida State because he's on... Team Pot! There you go! My guy. I know you're pumped. Um, hey, I, I got that good, Allegway. So I got that good. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we have six inside linebackers on the team right yeah. now. Yeah! I don't know if any of them are good. We have six guys, and 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 I'm sorry. How dare you say that about I'm our s- I'm Kansas sorry. City's favorite waiter? I'm sorry, Chiefs fans, but Derek Johnson is included on that list. We the have good news is six inside linebackers, and I genuinely don't know if any of them are good. The good news is Derek Johnson should be ready. Uh, reports today okay. should be ready for training camp. So so we have DJ he may, one. He may have lost a step, but we have DJ two. He'll at least be healthy. Yeah. And then you've got Rameek Wilson, you've got Justin Terrence March. Smith, you've got Justin March, and now you have Ukime Alegwe. Um he, he he would have had the uh the forty he, he didn't go to the combine. Um his his forty at his pro day would have been the second fastest of all linebackers at the combine. Okay. So he's a fast. You can um, run. The other thing, so with Leon McQuay, the number two safety coming out of high school, the twenty second Overall recruit in his high school class. Did not start or didn't become a full-time starter at USC until his senior year. Why? I mean, that's the question that everyone asks, and that's the reason that he ends up being a six-round pick is, dude, you were the 22nd overall didn't recruit hurt in your high school class. Didn't like, hurt your why? <laughs> but, like, what, you know, why, why did it take that long, and why didn't you make an impact and whatnot? Honestly, the way that he's built and just kind of, like, what I read about him of he's good at this and he's not so good at this and we can't figure out if he's a safety or a corner because he doesn't tackle well enough to play safety but he's also not like super great in man-to-man coverage as a corner. Ron Parker doesn't tackle anybody. He's, he's a good safety. He's Ron Parker! He just <laughs> took it right out of my mouth! All I had to do was say he's not a very good tackler but he's also not great in man-to-man so what do you think? You know who I think's underrated? Ron Parker. I <laughs> Every Chiefs fan this offseason. Right. Every single one. I do. I think that McCoy is kind of built like in that vein. And this is what I'll say about him. I don't think that he's going to make the team. 
but I think that he is the perfect guy to get stashed on the practice squad because I don't think he's going to even get like that much run in preseason where teams are going to be like, I really want that guy. Well, yeah, if they plan ahead, then you just kind of hide him. Yeah, and hope that he slides in. It seems like he kind of plays the same as Murray. Like he's like that nickel safety spot. So maybe they'll mm-hmm. be competing, uh, and he'll get his chance. And maybe they're not that high on Eric Murray, but I mean, mm-hmm. I guess we'll find out. But so, yeah, there's not much to watch on Liam McKay. There's there's two games of draft breakdown, and they're very uninformative. He's got some very interesting pictures out there, though. Very ugly dude. Oh, very ugly. Yeah. I thought you'd like his hair and his grill and stuff. Oh, I like it. I like ugly people, but... <laughs> I love ugly people. <laughs> That's like uh, something stinks. <laughs> That's what that face yeah, is. Yeah, a lot of stink face. <laughs> there you, All there right. you go. Oh, that one. Uh, ooh. I love, that. <laughs> love that hair. All right, so uh, let's do like a couple parting shots here. Close, closing. Parting on. shots for the sports reporters. R.I.P. Some, some closing thoughts here. Uh, I think that... What I really picked up on the draft class was that they selected guys with upside and athleticism over production and polish. What it says to me is that you look at the roster as it's currently constructed and they feel like they can swing for the fences because they like the core of players that they have. This draft, we could look at this draft two or three years from now and not a single player could be good. I mean, that's obviously not the hope. But that's what this draft class could be. Like that's that's what it looks like on paper. Is like this could be even if if one of these guys hits because of the profile of them, like it it could it could change your team. It could be a huge impact, and it doesn't even have to be Mahomes. On that, I almost feel like John Dorsey's like confident enough in himself to pull out undrafted free agents to do like the dirty work, yeah. so to speak. Kind of like the solid contributors that you need on your roster to, you know, you know the 42 through 53 spots. Mm-hmm. Like, he's almost confident enough in himself to find that from undrafted free agents now that everything's boom or bust in the draft. Like, we want guys who can become studs in the league. We don't want guys who can be, you know, he's going to come in and be solid for the next four or five years. We can find that on undrafted. Like, we want a guy who can be great. I think that like something where that really stands out to me um, is is that inside linebacker position. It seems like each year when they've been taking these linebackers, every one of them has like a really unique trait. You know, Rameek Wilson started for two or three years at Georgia, and he was one of those really fast sideline to sideline players. Um, same thing with DJ Alexander, just like elite speed on that guy, and same thing with Legway. Like this guy was really highly recruited. He won a national championship and was a contributor on that team. Not a starter, but like he had 20 something tackles, I think, as a true freshman on a national championship team. And so they're looking at that, and you think, who was the best linebacker in Green Bay during the time that. Nick Barnett. It was Nick Barnett. He was like a fourth or fifth round pick Boom. from Oregon State. You know, like. Locked just, in on that, that 07 Packers roster. There you go. Um, so technically. Shelton Quarles. Yeah. Technically, the team may not be like any better at all this year based on this draft class. Like none of these guys may make an impact at all. It's almost like they read my my three strategies the, for the, the for the offseason. Yeah, twenty nineteen. Uh, the the other thought that I had is that got two party shots. Come on. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just, just, we'll just leave it at this. All right. You know, sports report. I'll say that. I I think our pass rush sucks. Oh. Based on puff like, puff. Based wah, wah. based on like. 
like um, playoff games. <laughs> let's say like like positional importance or whatnot, like the weight adjusted rankings. I think that our pass rush might be the worst position on the team. We have Tom Ali that we have no idea what we're going to get from him. We have Justin Houston. We have no idea what we're going to get from him. We have D Ford. We have no idea what we're going to get from him. And the players outside of that are Frank Zombo, an injured Daddy Nicholas, and a guy that we signed off of the Jets practice squad named Victor Oshie, who looked great when he played at Stony Brook. Love like, Stony Brook. I big, just, big Stony Brook believer. I... I have no faith that our pass rush is going to be healthy or good this season. None at all. That's every reason to puff puff. Uh, Party shot. The most boring team in the NFL just made the most exciting move an NFL team can possibly make. A trade up in the first round to draft a quarterback. Um... It's exciting. It's fun. Uh, it hasn't really kicked in yet. Uh, I got to see him on the field, I guess. Uh, I was excited to see him choose 15 because of Tommy Frazier. That was awesome. Um, and really... <laughs> <Because of> Tommy <laughs> Frazier. Always back to Nebraska <laughs> with this guy. Well, got to celebrate the past. Can't really celebrate the, the present. Um, and really, I mean, Andy Reid's legacy is kind of on the line. I mean, if he takes Pat Mahomes, takes the talent, and grooms him... Like, if he turns him into one of the next best NFL quarterbacks, Andy Reid goes down as one of the ten best head coaches in NFL history because of the success that will come from this. You have to think Dorsey and Reid are around for, you know, a long time after this. That's That was the – it seemed like everybody was like, well, you know, well, sometime in the next month or two we're going to see contract extensions for both of them. God, I hope so. I don't know what's taking so long. Uh, but it's – I mean, if, if Andy can hit on Mahomes, or who everybody says is like the ultimate project – I mean, there's no denying his track record with quarterbacks. And you, you, you have to project the success that comes with that, with the loaded roster and the young quarterback on the rookie deal. Like, he's going to go down as one of the best head coaches of all time. So it's just like, I don't think he's... If Mahomes flops, he's not going to... Andy Reid's not going to be like a punchline or anything. Or he's kind of a punchline, but... He's not going to be considered a flop as a head coach. He's just going to be kind of like Marty Schottenheimer. He was there, but he could never win the big one. But now he has his chance to win the big one. He has his chance to overcome the, the top of the mountain with Mahomes. And we get to watch it all unfold over the next three to five years. I am uh, <clears throat> I'm really excited. Folks, this has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He says Dirkness. You can find us, as always, on ArrowheadPride.com. Uh, thanks for joining us. And, uh, you know, enjoy your summer. Here's Sublime.